two wizards. Two wizards? Two wizards. Two wizards. And on top of all that, as I'm trying to like juggle all these other things, um, oh man, the Steam sale, the Steam computer game sale is just, oh, it's calling me. <laughs> it's beckoning. There's so many good things uh, at a really good price. And just, oh man. It's, no good, it's tough, man. buddy. It is, it is, it is tough. I'm, I'm, but I've also allowed myself a few purchases. Good. Like yeah. I haven't gone crazy. Yeah. But I've allowed myself a few purchases. Um, one of them absolutely being the Conan Exiles game because <laughs> when we just read "A Witch Shall Be Born," I got, I got, oh man, I got super jazzed for Conan stuff, and I was like, yeah, I'm gonna be this like weird, I. Uh, and, it, and then that got me thinking too. Like I would probably be a Brithunian, maybe, because like yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's the like, British analog, right? Yeah. And like that's a lot of my ethnicity is yeah. Like I'm like super English, a um, little bit of German, mm-hmm. which that'd be what like Namidia maybe. I think the or... Gunderman and the Bassonians. Oh, okay. If I so, so I, I so we, I, we should go back one day and like do like a mini like two wizards, I don't know, fucking Christmas mm. nugget in your stocking, and read Howard's <laughs> um on Hyperborea. He actually he wrote a whole essay about right the you know world and everything. We got to go back. We got to read that. It should only be it'd only be like an hour. That'd and, be cool. Yeah. No, that that'd be cool. Yeah, to do that and like I don't know, like maybe some of um maybe some of like the letters. That he wrote to either like his editors or to or to HP Lovecraft, and that would be a cool one too. That would be like a, I don't know, maybe we could do something something like that too as we're getting into the festive end of the year season. Like instead of letters to Santa Claus, letters to Pulp Fiction writers. That'd be kind of cool. Well, that is a cool idea. Yeah, I don't know, because I and I guess that's also part of it too. You know, in in years past, we've kind of planned more about what sort of collaboration or like theme we want to have um yeah in like the month of december but i think this year we're just kind of like no nah, let's just roll with it <laughs> yeah i just see what see what happens i actually um i don't know if you checked the calendar i figured out a uh three or four part series that i'll start next oh, week nice. and then we'll conclude okay. when you're here oh awesome yeah I love it. Yeah, because also listeners, you know, at I think yeah, maybe depending on the timing of this, by the time you listen to this episode, I could very well be be back there in uh, El Valle de San Luis, mm-hmm. uh, and then and then recording, building up to this this stuff. So, but but yeah, I guess I, I guess that that is that is me. On top of everything else, I have to like forestall any more Steam purchases because we need to finish this thing out too. And this thing being the Two Wizards Podcast. So welcome, everybody. Uh, we're here once more, the Two Wizards Podcast, uh, on Twitter, at Two Wizards Pod C1. And my name is Josh, and I am a wizard. And my name is Mark, and I am a wizard. And I don't know nothing about what you're talking about, because I also downloaded Conan Exiles, and <gasps> I've been playing the uh, Isle of uh, Sipta. It's pretty damn cool. Yeah, yeah, I saw that one. 
Yeah, I got so I got the base game, and then I got two uh, kind of like DLCs. I got uh, what, what was it? It was it was like the the Jewel of the West, yeah, which is apparently like the Aquilonian stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I got the Architects of Argos, nice. which is the Argosian stuff. And I and I was kind of like seeing mixed sort of re- reviews about the I I I the Isle of Set. Sipath? Sipta? I thought. I don't know. Maybe it was Sipath. I don't know. Something like that. Something. I I clearly wasn't paying attention um, and and clearly didn't get it either. But uh, but yeah, man. And maybe that's it. Maybe we'll just have to be two Hyborian wizards. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) I wonder if we're doing that too. Uh, But other things that we have to look forward to is drinking some delicious things out of our wizard's cups. So Mark, what are you drinking tonight? Uh, tonight I am drinking a bottle of Apothic Inferno Whiskey Barrel Aged for 60 Days Red Blend. It is a whopping 15.9% alcohol. And on the back here it says, A red blend emerges from the flames, creating a most unexpected and masterful encounter. Paying a tribute to the time-honored craft, this wine has been aged 60 days in a whiskey barrel, creating bold notes of red and dark fruit with each layer of maple and spice. Nice. Yeah. That sounds that sounds really good. So like, maybe not explicitly kind of festive, holiday, but but like kind of there. You know, maple and spice and oh, there you go. There I'm you sure go. very warming. Yeah. Well, and I have something similar because uh, I know I you know said we haven't haven't really like gotten too much planned out for uh, festive part of the year, but I have with me one of my favorites of this time of year is, of course, the Great Lakes Brewing Company Christmas Ale. Ooh, you ale got it. With spices and honey. And I even added them uh, over Thanksgiving. Um, had had nice Thanksgiving dinner. Um, sat down for a post-Thanksgiving dinner kind of nap, snooze, watch TV, and had some Christmas ale, added them on Twitter, and they gave me a like and a retweet. So Hell yeah, dude. Who knows, man? Who knows? Slow, slowly but surely. This is like three um, years of you drinking the Christmas ale on the show. It's so it's cool. So it's so it's because it's so good. It is. It's definitely like a part of this time of year. Yeah. And with that, buddy, here's Anya. Cheers, good buddy. Ooh, wow, it's strong. Oh, wow, that's really strong. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Yeah, I was gonna say because it's what like nine percent, fifteen point nine. Oh, fifteen point nine. Oh god! Yeah, that, that it's gonna make jury strong. duty a real kick in the ass. <laughs> I got jury duty. I tell you that I got fucking jury duty. Oh, oh no! Ah, <laughs> uh, dang it! That seems. I got called for jury duty, but I think I was too eager. Like I did, like a reverse psychology thing. Like when I finally got called up there, and like the like where they ask you that list of questions and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I I wasn't like intentionally trying to do the reverse psychology thing, but I guess I kind of did. Okay. Because yeah, either like the judge or like the well, one of the attorneys asked me if I've you know ever done this before, and everybody you know because that's the thing everybody's like throwing out any excuses like well no I just uh, I just have a lot I, I I just can't miss work or I have to do you know they they throw every excuse to try to get dismissed mm-hmm. but I like did the opposite I was like no this is kind of cool you know I've never been I've never been called to do jury duty before and you know it's important to do your civic responsibility and you know be. Be part of this, so yeah, like I think it's kind of neat. And then, like the next, like five minutes later, they said, "All right, juror so and so, you're you're dismissed." <laughs> or like potential juror so and so, you're dismissed. So, well, hopefully that turns out 
better for you. Oh, I'm just going to tell him that I recognize whoever the fuck it is from working at City Market and had less than good encounters with them multiple times and it colored my outlook. Oh, that's that's a good one too. Fucking um, blank check for my, mayhem, baby. Yeah. <laughs> my uh uh my brother Jake um who yeah, was a lawyer and on, and on both sides for both the prosecution and the defense. He said like one of the sure fire the like like the surefire way to get rid, to get out of jury duty is to um say that you don't believe in innocent until proven guilty you just say like well no like clearly if they're being tried here like oh i've like, heard yeah like, i've it. heard of that yeah like yeah. saying like where there's smoke there's fire and shit like yeah right i've seen just saying like no i don't yeah i don't i don't believe it and i mean listeners don't don't take it from us like do your civic duty and all but that's what that's what some wizards say. <laughs> Listeners, fuck that. It's probably a petty drug charge. They're wasting your time and the counties. You could be doing anything else. Oh, uh, I mean, that could, yeah, that, that could be part of it too. Anyway, we're not but, talking about our civic duty. Maybe we no, are. I don't not. know what we're talking about. Josh, you're you're helming the <laughs> right. sleigh, so to speak, tonight. What, what are we doing, yeah. buddy? Well, this was an episode that, this is the case for me. I'm sure it's the case for you. You know, we have like, a dozen or so kind of episode ideas kind of floating around. Mm-hmm. And then and it's like, aha, maybe this is the time. And, and this one even got a little more refined or a little more clear, clearly delineated um, over the Thanksgiving day. Um, oh. Because we we are recording this the, the weekend after Thanksgiving. Uh, and it's coming out a little bit later than that. So w- w- this wasn't a huge tradition for me. I know it's a huge tradition for other people. Um, including the Mrs. Wizard, is not only on Thanksgiving Day is there the Macy's um, Thanksgiving Day Parade, but immediately following that is the Westminster Dog Show. And the Mrs. Wizard, that was a big thing in her family, like watching the dog show. And uh, and actually, one of one of their family friends, uh, Kim Bond, which I, th- I think you might know that name, mm-hmm. um, she actually like... Was there? She was. She was showing some of her dogs at last year's 2022's Westminster Dog Show, um, which is incredible. Oh, you know, shit. Somebody from little old San Luis Valley going out there, and the Mrs. Wizard. You know, she and her mom uh, raised and and trained these Shelties, these um, uh, little Sheltie dogs. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and the Mrs. Wizard even, she's a state champion. She's a state champion dog trainer. Oh, sure. Um, because in 4-H, yeah, it was 4-H in high school. You know, it, it's like all the agricultural arts. Um, and they have little competitions. Uh, and yeah, there was one where it was all about like dog training. And like you had to like do certain commands. And you had to have them sit and stay and then you'd have them stay and then you'd walk like, you know, 30 paces off and they would have to stay put. And then you would tell them to come and, mm-hmm. and, then, and then they would come over to you. So, yeah, she was. She was. She's a state champion dog trainer. Right on. Um, and she and she would have been a repeat. She would have been a two time state dog trainer champion, uh, except because it's a part of 4-H and there's like lots of other activities going around. Like somebody had like a starter's pistol for like a different event. And it just so happened when she and her dog were, were, were up there sh- showing their stuff, somebody shot this starter's pistol, pistol, freaked her dog out. Oh, no. And so, yeah, so not even through her own. It's nothing she did, it's nothing the dog did. It's just, that's the way the cookie crumbled. Oh, shit. 
So, I guess with all of that in mind, uh, this episode is going to be about dogs. We're going to talk about dogs, Mark. I'm in. All right. And I know we've done, uh, we, we had our Hellhounds episode mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. earlier. And, I'm, and, I, and I know in other instances we've talked about kind of dogs and things like that. But yeah, that, that's where we're going to start off because we had the Westminster Dog Show. Christmas is coming up and a lot of times little kids say that they want a puppy for Christmas. So maybe listeners, you know, if you find yourself in that situation, if you have, if you have a child or if you want a puppy for Christmas... Maybe I bring you this on for, for a very you. special. I can't wait to show my kids and make you and Brad watch Twelve Pups of Christmas once again. <laughs> so we went through, we went through the horror of Twelve Pups of Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> so we can do that too. We can do that. So we are. We're going to do. We're going to talk historical dogs. We're going to talk mythological dogs. We're going to talk about big dogs and the goodest of boys and just yeah all all the things all the things so right on mark as i always like to start us off here what's your experience with dogs did you have dogs growing up uh either within your family directly or like friends where you kind of stand offish or like yeah man because i know that you had caesar mm-hmm. your rabbit mm-hmm. um but what about like dogs um, yeah, my granddad had golden retrievers most of my life when I was a little kid. Um, so, you know, right out of the gate, you get that classic one. And then when I, oh, yeah. from like grade, I don't know, four until junior year of college, we had this blue healer named Sam and, uh, <gasps> old Aww. Sam got real fat in the like last six years of his life. His thyroid went and Sam ballooned up oh, to a hundred pounds. Now he was a blue oh healer. So I don't tell you how fat that little dog was, but he was a good yeah. boy. <laughs> um, and now my mom's got a Pyrenees. Her name is Sadie. She's a very sweet girl, but by and large, I am not a dog person. Like if oh, they're around, yeah. I'm all right with them. Like I'm not afraid of them. Mm-hmm. I don't have like bad experience. Um, it's funny. Right. You talk about Westminster. I sat and watched that this year with Amanda on Thanksgiving. Mm-hmm. Like, after the meal and everything, we just sat and watched it all on YouTube, and we're watching it, and it was like, all right, the sporting group, all right, the working group. Yeah. Boo, boo toy group, boo, <laughs> boo. <laughs> yeah, it's so, it, it is, it's so funny. Like, I, I mean, I, I can watch the Westminster Dog Show and just be like, yeah, they're good dogs. But, but, but like, Christine will watch, and she, because, and, again, she has, she's had all that training, She'll be like, oh, well, well, that coat's a little, you know, a little lackluster or, um, oh, it's not like st- staying right by their side when they like do the little jog up and down. And so, yeah, she's like, she's like in it. Mm. Um, and like she, and she'll talk about like the stance cause they have like, they're supposed to like have a certain stance and then like German shepherds have like a different one where like their two front paws are are equal or, or, or like lined up, but then their back paws are like off split, kind of like oh like yeah, a, I, like I noticed that on the walks. shepherd, yeah, yeah, and like because like that's that's the standard. That's what she said. Like that's no, cool. that's just the standard. And and then and then their the the German shepherd's back is supposed to kind of like slope down to its butt, so like it, 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 instead of being like completely level, so like as it's doing its little trot 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 across, it's still trying to maintain its like kind of sunken butt a little bit, mm-hmm. and so. So yeah, like she's she's in it, and yeah, I I have never had a pet dog myself. Um, my dad, when he was growing up on the ranch, their 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 ranch dog was also named Sam. So I mean, real quick, here's here's to those good dogs, yeah. Sam, both of them. Cheers. 
But yeah, like growing up, we never had any pets, really. I mean, I, I mean, yes, I eventually found Harold the Salamander. Uh, <laughs> that was me. Um, but yeah, so I uh, didn't have any pets. I have cats now. Um, a little bit later, my sisters, they both got some dogs. Um, my youngest sister, she she kind of like volunteered at the kind of like pet shelter. Oh, yeah. And, and there was a litter that got brought in and... So she took two of them home, and they were like, uh, yeah, what was it? It was, it was like a, it was like a border collie and like chow mix, okay, which was interesting. So they were like very smart and would get into trouble, but then also just be kind of dumb because because chows are apparently kind of dumb, right? Um, and then yeah, Christine grew up with dogs, uh, and in the back of my mind, I would. I, I, I think I would do well. I think I would do well with dogs. Yeah. Um it's like a pet. But um but yeah, just like never never actually had it. Um if you were, because I know you said that's like, you know, you can kind of take them or leave them, like if they're around, cool, but you're not like super gung ho about it. Is 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 there any breed of dog that like you, you could see yourself having as as a pet or like would maybe want to one day? Um any of the bigger ones. Yeah. Yeah. Like Irish setter and up in scale and yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Just giant. Yeah. Uh, so and well, okay, and we will get to that. We we'll get to that too. Yeah, I I think also, you know, just kind of being a tall guy, I think I would like a, a similarly tall dog. Um Yeah, something like uh Well, okay, I I also just want like a really smart dog. Mm-hmm. Um and so I always joke that like one day I want to get a Doberman pincher. Um, Cause like one, they have like this like shorter coat. So they're not going to like shit everywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're like very loyal, but also like very like crazy smart. And I keep, and I, and I keep telling Christine, like, look, we just, let's just get a Doberman. Uh, and it can help us with our taxes, you know? <laughs> and <laughs> cause I just have this perfect image of like, Walking down the stairs and, and like here's the Doberman like sitting at a desk with like the little green visor and the like kind of like cuff like like sleeve cuff things just crunching numbers and like getting us our best tax return. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I think I think something like that. Um, my aunt, one of my aunts and uncles, they they had a German short hair pointer. Oh okay. Um, and yeah, that um oh god, what was what was her name? Which yeah, that was that that dog was also crazy smart, um, but also like in love with me. Like when we would go visit, like that dog would like follow me around everywhere. She'd always hop up on my Huck. That was her name, and she would always like jump up on my lap and like just be around me. Like she like legit loved me. I was like, oh, you poor, you, you sweet, you sweet doggo. <laughs> um, but yeah, but yeah, also like don't really have a lot of direct experience myself. But um, but yeah, dogs are cool. Yeah. Dogs are cool. So I guess let's just let's just talk about. Ooh, excuse me there. Bless Let's you. talk about how long humans have been thinking dogs are cool. Because, um, yeah, you know, even even before dogs were a thing. So from as early as the middle Pleistocene period, the bones of wolves have been found nearby bones of early hominids. Cool. So, yeah, at about 300 thousand years before present three so like yeah three hundred thousand years bc ce whatever you want to use at the cave of lazaret near nice 
in France, uh, there's, yeah, three 300,000 years ago, wolves and hominids hanging out. Um, 400,000 years uh, at the site of Boxgrove in Kent, England, also wolves and hominids hanging out, which Jesus. is just crazy. It's crazy. Like, like we're not even people yet. Yeah, we're not even we're not even people yet. The hollow moon um, hasn't even shown up. That's insane. Yeah, yeah, the hollow moon isn't even here yet. Which also it it makes total sense too why in Civ Six, when you start off with a scout unit, it has a little doggo with him, you know? Oh <laughs> yeah. yeah. He is, it is, it is. So yeah, just so <laughs> I don't know yeah. what I did to even, mine, but it's been cats. I don't know why, but it's well, been cats yeah, for I, months I think now. One of, like, why are you guys... Ca-? I don't mind, but you can't even pet <laughs> the damn cat. At least you can pet the dog. Right, yeah. I think it, it's one of the DLCs that I think, yeah, introduced the option. Yeah, a mandatory thing. I don't know. They just yeah, keep... Everybody's got cats now. <laughs> I'm like, oh, well, okay. That's cool, I guess. I guess I guess that makes sense. So, um, But yes, and so, you know, hominids and canines... Hundreds, hundreds of thousands of years have been around. Uh, but then eventually we did. We did the whole domestication thing. And so, you, so you know, hey, maybe uh, early humans having these canines around. Oh, hey, maybe here's like one puppy that isn't quite as vicious. Uh, it's not like chewing my face off in the middle of the night. <laughs> uh, this one seems like a, like a little more, more chill. Well, why don't we take this one that's a little more chill and that one that's pretty smart, that is doing caveman taxes. Uh, <laughs> what if we, what if we bred those two together? Uh, and so and so yeah. So like selective breeding led us to uh, uh, the the genus of dog that we have today, um, which is of course uh, Canis familiaris, and like the the familiar dog. Yeah. And yeah, it's just. Again, man, I just like I I know we just like barely scratched the surface getting getting into some of the stuff, but like just the time scale, just the time the time scale that we have here, it's just it's unreal. Yeah, I <sighs> well, and it's two things that grew up together, you know. Right. Yeah. Because because like what a, is it yeah, like, like even true... now? Dogs can you can look a dog in the eye and then you can look away from it and it'll follow where you're looking. Like, right, and that right. is based off mm-hmm. of millions of years of like, or you know, not millions, but hundreds of thousands of like convergent, you know, working together, and one shapes the other, and yeah, it is. It, it's a it's a symbiotic kind of relationship that we have here, and like cats are different, you know. So hey, if we're doing this episode on dogs, listeners, you can probably guess that in the foreseeable future, we'll we'll give cats their own due at some point. Um, but it is. It's like. Or just like any, you know, most any random dog, you know, just like any any random dog and any random human, they're they're just like, okay, yeah, let's let's go hang out, you know, or like I'll rub your belly because because you're being a good boy. <laughs> it's just it's 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 bordering on innate or like instinct. Yeah. For 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 both human and 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 dog, there it's it's just crazy. Um. And so then over all those hundreds of thousands of years, well, eventually we get to, yes, what, what we can call the first, the, the first dogs. Um, and so 
you, you know, we in our in our agriculture episode, I spent some time talking about the domestication of some of these other animals, like like pigs and cows and things. Uh, but dogs were truly the first animal species to be domesticated by humans um, uh, towards the end of the last ice age, when we were still hunting and gathering and doing all that. So the earliest find of a domesticated dog appears from a mandible, from a from a jawbone. Uh, from a late Paleolithic grave in Oberkassel in Germany, and it's dated uh, uh, fourteen thousand years BCE. Jesus. So again, <laughs> yeah, like pre-existing writing. I mean, way ahead of writing, way ahead of agriculture, ahead of um, everything. Like, yeah, right. It was it was one of the very which which again got me thinking. They're like, still settlers. Like they haven't found yeah. the first city yet. Right, yeah, they're still wandering around trying to find the best, yeah. Oh shit, this river has floodplains. Oh no. Yeah. <laughs> is that just me or is that mountain looking kind of kind of smoky? Uh, <laughs> yeah, there's there's also a site in the upper Jordan Valley uh, that dates to about 12,000 years ago. And this is notable because um, in this site where, you know, we find we found other artifacts of human living uh, uh, pestles and mortars for grinding grain, and at the entrance to a dwelling from one of the from the site here in the Jordan Valley, is a skeleton of an elderly human with a puppy between four and five months of age. Oh, so it's so it's 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 not just like okay, cool work animal. Thank you for helping me. Yeah, like uh, uh, track down this deer or. Um, herd these sheep, but yeah, like we 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 include them in our burial ceremonies. Yeah, and just yeah, so it's again, man. I I just I just it's just crazy. It's just crazy. And so right, like that's one of the earliest ones. But then you just like it's it's an explosion afterwards. Like almost everywhere you find human remains, you're gonna find dog remains too. Um, yeah, it's just it's just crazy. It's just wild. Oh, excuse me. Bless you. Uh, yeah. I don't. Man, this Christmas sale is being extra effervescent today. <laughs> You're real full of cheer. Like, <laughs> yeah, I guess so. I guess so. And so, I guess you know, kind of, kind of with that, it's not too surprising, Mark, that we find dogs in a lot of the mythological record as well, because. Dang it, they're they're just the goodest of boys. <laughs> um, and yes, so while we have talked about um, Cerberus, for instance, again in our Hellhounds episode, um, and I believe I've mentioned him before, maybe, maybe not. Pretty sure I have. Um, but if I have mentioned him, it's only in passing, and I need to give give this goodest boy the like full attention that he and respect that he uh, deserves. And this is, of course, Argus, Odysseus's dog uh, oh, from yeah. the Odyssey. Odysseus is king of Ithaca, and he's married Penelope, and he uh, has a has a child by her, the young Telemachus. Uh, but he also has a little hunting puppy. He has he has a little puppy that he's you know kind of training up. Uh, but then that son of a bitch Palamedes comes along and. <laughs> Steals him away to go to Troy, and so it's twenty years later um, 
after all, all, all of his adventures, Odysseus finally comes back. And in probably one of the most stirring passages from the Odyssey, this is in Book 17, Odysseus has a reunion with his son that he hasn't seen in forever. He hasn't quite had a reunion with Penelope, his wife that he hasn't seen in forever. But he also has this very stirring um, reunion, which if you will indulge me, and if listeners, you will indulge me, I will read from Book 17 of the Odyssey. So Odysseus comes back to his palace and he's and he's talking with some people outside. And he says, while and it says, while he spoke, an old hound lying near pricked up his ears and lifted up his muzzle. This was Argus, trained as a puppy by Odysseus, but never taken on a hunt before his master sailed for Troy. The young men afterward hunted wild goats with him, and hare and deer, and he had grown old in his master's absence. Treated as rubbish now, he lay at last upon a mass of dung before the gates, manure of mules and cows piled there until field hands could spread it on the king's estate. Abandoned there and half destroyed with flies, old Argus lay. Mm. With, I know, like he didn't even get to go hunting. He didn't even get to go hunting with Odysseus. Which, I mean, I mean, not to guilt the lily here, but the parallel between Odysseus and his son and Odysseus and his dog Argus, it's like, ah, man, it sucks. <laughs> yeah. And he's just lying there on a mound of shit. He's just lying there on a mound of shit. And the flies and the fleas are like eating him to death. But he, but he hears like, wait, is that, is that my old man Odysseus? But when he heard Odysseus's voice nearby, he did his best to wag his tail, nose down, with flattened ears, having no strength to move nearer his master. Mm. And the man looked away, wiping a salt tear from his cheek, but he hid this from Eumaeus. Then he said, I marvel that they leave this hound to die here on the dung pile. He would have been a fine dog from the look of him, though I can't say as to his power and speed when he was young. You find the same good build in house dogs, Table dogs, landowners keep for all style. And you replied, Eumaeus, A hunter owned him, but the man is dead in some far place. If this old hound could show the form he had when Lord Odysseus left him, going to Troy, you'd see him swift and strong. He never shrank from any savage thing he'd brought to bay in the wood, in the deep woods. On the scent, no other dog kept up with him. Now misery has him in leash. His owner died abroad, and here the women slaves will take no care of him. You know how servants are. Without a master, they have no will to labor, to labor or excel. For Zeus, who views the wide world, takes away half the manhood of, of a man. That day he goes into captivity and slavery. And so then Eumaeus has this, you know, he kind of says like, Oh man, yeah, if only you could have seen this dog in its, in its glory days. Um, Eumaeus crossed the court and went straight forward into the Megaron among the suitors, into the big kind of like banquet hall. But death and darkness in that instant closed the eyes of Argus, who had seen his master, Odysseus, after 20 years. Aww. I know, man. It's just, ah, dogs. He got Jurassic <laughs> Park, kind of, sort of, but not really. He, yeah, right. Like, but in, like, a good way, you know? And, like, like, hey, it, I, I finally got to, I finally got to see, yeah, the, like, man who raised me up as a little puppy. And, it's so good. It's so good, Argus. <laughs> it's 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 weird because, okay. like, on the one hand, dogs were like 
yeah, like the best hunting companions and like, you know, loyal and, and all that. But then also dogs get like a super bad rap in a lot of other kind of Greek stories and well, and, and like Roman stories and um, yeah, in the Levant, like, like the Bible has almost nothing good to say about dogs. Like it's almost completely negative when the Bible talks about dogs. Oh, yeah. It's an insult. Which is so, again, which is so funny. It's so interesting. Uh, according to openbible.info, um, 100 <laughs> Bible verses about dogs. Uh, just And again, you know, I'm, I'm just running through the list here. 100, uh, 100 Bible verses about dogs. Cue up that yeah. fit music. Josh is going to read all 100. <laughs> all 100. Uh, Matthew 7, 6. Do not give dogs what is holy and do not throw your pearls before pigs, lest they trample them afoot and turn to attack you. Uh, Proverbs twenty six eleven like a dog that returns to his vomit is a fool who repeats his folly. Uh, oh, yeah, but Philippians, fuck you. yeah, Philippians uh, three two look out for the dogs, look out for the evildoers, look out for those who mutilate the flesh. Uh, Revelation twenty two fifteen outside are the dogs and sorcerers and the sexually immoral and murderers and idolaters and everyone who loves and practices falsehood. Um, Matthew fifteen twenty seven. she said, yes, Lord, yet even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's tables. Uh, Matthew fifteen twenty six. and he answered, it is not right to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. Just like, uh, Psalm twenty two sixteen. for dogs encompass me, a company of evildoers encircles me. They have pierced my hands and feet. Like, <laughs> dogs are great. What are you talking about? <laughs> I wonder why. Like, they're, they... Yeah, I just like it seems like it seems like every single time that dogs are mentioned, especially with uh, like a pastoral yeah. people like that, you know, like a lot of sheep, a yeah. lot of sheep herding going on. Like you'd think yeah. they'd be the best buddy. You would think so, but I just I, I just don't know. And then who knows? Maybe, you know, sure, I can read 100 verses like kind of out, out of context, but I also don't know if much context will really help <laughs> will really help with making these any better i'm proud of you um, for not taking the american stance of just shouting bible verses out of context to prove a point josh <laughs> good job buddy good job that's why you're the fucking wizard yeah i i you know i i try and and i mean i was also man i th- this also nearly kicked me down another rabbit hole and another episode because i'm pretty sure you even brought this up to you like the whole um race of dog-headed men um, oh yeah, the cynocephaly. The, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, the the, the cynocephaly. Like I almost started go down going down there, but I thought no, no, no. We gotta we gotta wait on that one because that's a whole other thing. Because um, yeah, even like Saint Christopher, he he's he's one of those. He's he's a cynocephalus. Um, yeah, carries little baby Jesus across a river, and like gets patted on the head and said, "Good boy." But. Uh, yeah, I, I, it's it is interesting. It is interesting that like, yeah, dogs are just so negatively portrayed in 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 the Bible. But, yeah, it is. Meh, I don't know. But another an, another super good boy. Uh, going back to the Greeks is uh, Laylaps. Do you know the story of Laylaps, Mark? I do not. Okay. It it, it kind of took me a minute, but then I remembered like, oh yeah, 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 this is it. So Laylaps was a was a mythical divine or semi-divine uh, dog um, who was gifted uh, by Artemis to Procris, 
who was an Athenian princess. Uh, or in other stories, uh, uh, Lelaps was gifted by Zeus to Europa, um, who gave it to her son Minos, who then gave it to the same Athenian princess, Procris. Um, Lelaps means hurricane, which that's a Ooh, great name for I a like dog. That. I like that a lot. <laughs> that's a great name for a dog. And um, what is especially notable about Lelaps as a divine doggo is it could catch any prey it chased. So okay. you go out hunting for 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 deer, it's going to catch it. You're going to go out hunting for rabbits, hares, it's going to catch it. Uh, boars, whatever. Um, this, is, this is a divine dog who will catch anything that it chases. And so for many years, uh, it served uh, Procris and her husband Cephalus well, you know, bringing all, all sorts of game, until one day those... Sons of bitches, but not in like a doggy way. (laughs) (laughs) Over in Thebes, those damn Thebans always causing trouble. They went and angered Dionysus yet again. Wasn't enough for Pentheus to deny Dionysus' godhood and get ripped apart. No, they had to do something else to anger Dionysus. And so Dionysus sent this vicious uh, giant fox to terrorize the people of Thebes. Oh, shit. This is the Tau- the Taumessian fox that would, yeah, like, eat all their livestock, would, would chase after people, would kill people, ravage the land. And so one day Creon, the regent king between Oedipus and, well, what would have been his sons, uh, Creon sends out a call for help. He says, heroes of Greece, I need help defeating this, this Taumessian fox. And we've really tried, but this divine animal could never be caught. It's like special ability was, yeah, no, no, no matter what happened, you know, they would chase it down. They would throw javelins and stones at it. They could never catch this thing. This thing was so, was so special that it could never be caught. And so word traveled to old, to old Cephalus and Lelaps. And Cephalus said, all right, this is it. It's go time. I have a dog that always catches everything it chases. And here's this fox that always escapes anything that chases it. Let's see what happens. <laughs> <laughs> and so Cephalus and Laylaps roll up into Thebes. And uh, as Cephalus tells the story in Ovid's Metamorphoses, with one accord, my comrades called to me for, for, for hurricane, for Laylaps. My fine gift hound, who for long had fought the leash that checked him. He was loosed and straightway lost to sight. The hot dust held his footprints. He had vanished. Not so swift a lance's flight or bullets from a sling or slender arrows from a Cretan bow. Some rising ground commanded the wide fields. I climbed the top and gazed a grandstand view of that strange chase. One moment the beast, the fox, uh, is, is caught. The next, the death wounds missed him. He's escaped. His course was cunning, never straight for long. He doubled back and circled to deceive the chasing jaws to foil his foe's assault. The hound pressed close, clung step for step. It seemed he'd got him, but then he failed and snapped the air. My javelin must help, I thought. And while I weighed it in my hand and tried to fit my fingers in the loop, I glanced aside, and when I looked again, amazing sight. There in the open plain below, 
I saw two marble statues. One of them, you'd swear, in flight, the other pouncing on its prey. Some god, if gods were watching, must have willed that both should be unbeaten in that chase. Goddamn. And so, you know, it is. It's that whole, what happens when an unstoppable force meets an immovable object? What happens when the dog who catches everything it chases is after a fox who escapes everything that chases it? Uh, and so the story goes, Zeus saw what was happening. He's, he says, error does not compute. <laughs> <laughs> he, he, he repeats that old uh, robot phrase. <laughs> error does not compute paradox time paradox and so the story goes that zeus turns them both into marble statues so that way the fox is always escaping but but Laylapse is always pursuing him um but then eventually turns the two into constellations uh, uh canis major and canis minor so the big dog and, and the little dog um, oh shit that that um that, that yeah are like in the night sky and you can check them out now right on <laughs> so yeah um laylaps lilaps hurricane that's a great oh, that's a great name for a dog it's a good name <laughs> yeah and so good um but okay yeah so there are some other really good mythological uh, doggos um turning over to the norse for instance there's garmur who is a wolf or a dog, which again, you know, it's a it's a difference without a distinction, kind of. Right. You know, dogs, dogs came from wolves, all that. Um, but uh, Gautamer is a wolf or dog who is associated with both the goddess Hell uh, and Ragnarok. And Garmer is the blood-stained guardian of, yeah, like Hell's Gate. So like... You you could say the Norse equivalent of a Cerberus, uh, kind of a thing. Okay, okay. Um, according to the poetic Edda, um, the best of trees must Yggdrasil be. Skidbladnir, best of boats, of all the gods is Odin the greatest, and Sleipnir the best of steeds. Bifrost of bridges, Bragi of skalds, Habrak of hawks. And Garmer of hounds. So Garmer is the best, the best boy, the best. He doggy. is the goodest boy. Okay, okay. <laughs> he is he is the goodest boy. Um, and he has a very important role to play in Ragnarok, as mentioned. Um, moving now to the prose Edda. During Ragnarok, then shall the dog Garmer be loosed, which is bound before uh, Gipaheller. And Garmer shall do battle with Tyr, and uh, each become the other's slayer. So, oh, so they got to kill each other. Yeah, so they got to pull uh, Eteocles and Polynices and kill each other. Uh, <laughs> okay, okay. Um, also, Garmer is one of the two death hounds uh, that you can obtain in the Dawn Guard DLC for the Elder Scrolls Skyrim. Oh, neat. <laughs> so yeah, there you go. Um, I think we mentioned this, maybe, maybe not, um, or maybe obliquely in one of our yokai episodes, there is the Inugami, which is the god dog or the dog god. They're, they're the cops, right? Yes. Right. Yeah. In, um, Animal Crossing. 
No, I don't know, but you did them, I think, because I remember backtracking it to Japanese singing Paw Patrol. Oh, maybe. <laughs> I think, I'm like 90 I know you did Dog Cops or something. Anyway, let's talk about them again, because clearly I can't remember. Yeah, yeah. No, 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 that, that's okay. Yeah, so yeah, yeah, they basically are. Yeah, they are, they are spirits who, again, sort of like Kitsune, they're, they, they... They assume the form of an ordinary dog in order to like muck about in the world of us mortals. Um, but this is kind of weird too. So like you can also, so it's like, yes, they, they, they exist, but then you can also like kind of like summon one or create one. Okay. And you have a desiccated mummified dog's head that you like kind of keep in a secret shrine in, in your house. Oh, geez. And then okay. that's how you have, yeah, sort of like a guardian sort of, sort of spirit there. And yeah, they are also kind of like Kitsune in a way. Um, Inugami are able to possess people, uh, particularly if they are emotionally unstable or weak. <laughs> okay. Um, and they settle and how they do that is, is, is they enter through your ears and then they kind of like take up residence in your like belly. Um, and uh, signs that you may be suffering from Inugami possession include chest pain, pain in the hands, feet, or shoulders, feelings of deep jealousy, and suddenly barking like a dog. <laughs> See, I was going to say heart attack until you said barking like a dog. But okay, okay. Which, right, I mean, that, that, that could be part of it too. <laughs> um, some victims, this is according to our, our dear website, our dear beloved website, yokai.com. Some victims develop intense hunger and turn into gluttons. And it is said that people who die while possessed by an inugami are found with markings all over their body, resembling the teeth and claw marks of a dog. Ooh. Okay. Uh, okay. not only, not, not only humans, but animals like cows and horses or even inanimate objects can be possessed by inugami. Tools possessed by such a spirit become totally and completely unusable. Mark, I think I figured out what's wrong with your laptop. <laughs> <laughs> it's got an Inugami in it. <laughs> Son of a bitch. Son of a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> and so, yeah, you can uh, um, exercise these uh, Inugami spirits Um but it's it's going to cost you a pretty penny, and it's uh, yeah going to take some specialized knowledge. I don't have that specialized knowledge. I, I can't I can't help you with that. But just just yeah, um, know that you're going to have to like yeah I don't know. Maybe it would be cheaper just to buy a new laptop or something. I, I don't know. Maybe not. But <laughs> uh, not to the tune of nine hundred bucks. It didn't. Yeah. <laughs> Apparently, this became so popular. Um, that uh, in the uh, Heian period, about a thousand years ago, so many people were making or attempting to make inugami um, that the practice was outlawed. Oh my god. So, yeah. <laughs> so, according to legend, the creation of an inugami is accomplished by... Ah, this is a horrible... The, the head of a starved dog must be cut off... Jeez. And then it's and then it's buried in the street, usually a crossroads where many people walk by. 
Um, and this is this is horrible too. So what you would do is you would chain up this dog just out of reach of food, uh, or even like bury it up just up, up to its neck. Um, oh my so god! So that like it would yeah it would like starve and go hungry, and how oh, this is so horrible. Um, so, so that it would go berserk out of desperate hunger and its head could be cut off at the point of greatest desperation. So we're just waiting. Yeah, we're just waiting for this dog to... Fuck. Yeah. Josh. Yeah. Fuck. The, yeah. Like the peak of its suffering. That's when we're going to cut this thing's head off and then bury it in a street. Um, and... So, right, where a lot of there's a lot of foot traffic, the trampling of hundreds or thousands of peoples over this buried head would add to its stress and cause the animal spirit to transform. God. That's so, yeah, I, I mean, bad days all around. Just, yeah, just super. That's that's not what you do to man's best friend. No, you give him food and scritches and a place by the fire. That's what you do. You don't. <laughs> Starve them or make them sleep out on a pile of cow shit. <laughs> Fuckers. You pick them up and you cuddle them. <laughs> um, so, so yeah, I, I mean, it's it's um, also, funnily enough, right, because I talked about lilaps and the Tao Messian fox. Apparently, a lot of places where you do see kitsune, you don't see inugami. They just oh, have, okay, okay. Yeah, I, I guess some sort of like territorial agreement, something like that. I don't know, um, but but yeah. So you don't you don't often find that, um, but uh, but but yeah. And, and and then I mean just just one more at least, just one yeah. more. Again, they're they're all over the place. But another like great pair of uh, of doggos from mythology are. Um, Oh, let's see here. Oh, I just had it pulled up. What the hell? No, no. God damn it. Oh, what the, what the shit? I'm, I'm being all weird. Okay, here we go. Okay, all right. okay. Um, okay, so one last one. Uh, or I guess one last two are... Oh, boy. Now I'm, I'm, I'm going to try my best here. Um, Bran and... Uh, Xiolang. Okay. And these are the two hounds of Finn McCool from oh, Irish okay, mythology. Okay, yeah. Uh, Bran apparently means raven, and Xiolang means survivor. Interesting names for, for those. But yeah, so like Finn McCool is this legendary hero, this giant in Irish folklore and mythology. Um, and these two dogs were his hunting companions. Um, they are mostly white with purple haunches, a crimson tail, blue feet, and standing as tall as Finn's shoulders. And he's like a, you know, he's like a giant. He's like a big dude. So right, right, right. Gigantic dogs, which if you've seen Irish wolfhounds, like, yeah, they are enormous. Um, these two are also... Finn's cousins. <laughs> oh, okay, okay. They they were born of his aunt, of his of his mother's sister. Um. Uh. So apparently, uh, 
Irne, U-I-R-N-E, um, in one of her marriages, I think it was her second marriage, um, uh, a, a, a jealous queen transformed her into a dog. And she gave birth okay. to these two, Brandon Schilling. Um, the mom got changed back into a human, but the dogs didn't. So, uh, so yeah, he's going out hunting with his two cousin cousins who are are also dogs. Um, but uh, but yeah. So, All right, shit, right on. Yeah, and and they, um, yeah, they uh, they helped um, Finn find his son. Uh, Oshin, okay, was apparently wandering out in the forest naked one day, uh, but they helped him find that. Um, Xiolang dies during a hunt. They're going after a doe that is half black and half white, and apparently Xiolang dies in a in, in an accident there. Um, and then Bran, um, this is also very sad. Apparently Finn. McCool loses his temper, strikes his dog Bran, uh, hits his dog, and Bran can't can't deal with that, and so jumps into the ocean and drowns. Oh, no. uh, so yeah, that's horrible. <laughs> he's like, "You son of a bitch," and he's like, "You don't even know my mother." And fucking Irish people do. Yeah. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> she's she's her own aunt too. Yeah, it's so. I mean. Again, there's just so many. There's just so many good dogs, and I, I mean, yes, okay, we we did hellhounds, and there's a whole bunch of other stuff there. But like, all I'm saying is like reading through some of these mythological stories is yes, just how closely connected human and dogs are, and I'm also just learning that like we need to treat them better. <laughs> we're not we're not treating these dogs. We really well. do. Yeah. 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 It's just I don't know. Uh, well, okay. So also, I guess, Mark, I'm moving on to my second, um, Christmas ale. You still, you, you still sticking with that, with that gnarly one <laughs> or did you find something a little lighter? Nope. I, nope. It is a Apothic Inferno whiskey barrel aged for 60 days red blend. It's, it's really, it's not good. Like I only gave 12 <laughs> bucks for it, but it's really not good, Josh. I don't mind saying it's not good at all. It tastes like. It tastes like liquid smoke is what it tastes like. Like yeah, liquid see, smoke that's and Carlo problem. Rossi. Yeah, that's the problem too. Because like barrel age stuff, yeah, sure, you know, great. And or uh or a good uh was it a Rauch beer, which is like a smoky one? Like, yeah, sign me up. But if okay. it's like only if it's only smoke, like no. No thanks. No thanks. Um, yeah, yeah. Oh, excuse me. Yeah, I don't know. What, yeah, I don't know what's going on with these Christmas sales and me, but um, okay. Well, Mark, I guess you know you you had, had kind of brought this up. Maybe some of our listeners are, are thinking about this too. It's it is. I mean, in doing my research um, for this episode, I came across this book. Um, this is um, Companion Animals in Everyday Life: Situating Human Animal Engagement Within Cultures. Uh, edited by Michael Pieter uh, Pragowski. And when I found this chapter, I thought, man, do we do we go here? But then I remembered, we are two wizards. 
and we look into the abyss so that you so that you don't have to. We can't just be good boys, Josh. We can't just be good boys. Um, and so I won't dwell on this, but it needs to be said. Here's, uh, or I guess part three from this book. I'll just take it from them. Part three: to eat or to love. <laughs> um, oh God. And here's a chapter in this collection, uh, in this edited volume by Anthony L. Podbersik, uh, An Appetite for Dogs, Consuming and Loving Them in Vietnam. We in the United States, in quote-unquote the West, that is a relationship that we have with dogs. It is, they are man's best friend. They are our companions. Yeah, the Bible has like some weird anti-dog propaganda going on there. <laughs> Um, but generally speaking, you know, that, yeah, that's what we think of. And it's just a fact that in other parts of the globe, dogs can be, or are food. Um, and -hmm. I know one of our pastimes here at two wizards is, would you eat this thing? And I am admitting my cultural bias. I, I would have a hard time knowingly eating dog. Like, unless it's like crazy, like, you know, like if I'm starving and, you know, unless it's like some very extreme circumstance, I don't think I'll be eating dog. And it sounds like in a lot of the situations where other cultures do, it's because they are in extreme circumstances and they don't have a lot of other food options. But, uh, and like, not to put you on the spot, Mark, but like, where do you fall on the hot dog question? (laughs) Thousand percent, eat them. Okay. I don't care. Yeah, my bigger problem is that like I don't want to say sustainability, but we got mad about it way, way, way back in our like original bugs episode. Oh, yeah. And you were all mad at all the hipsters who are making right, fucking yeah. brewed ex mole tacos, yeah. right? So like, all things are made of mm-hmm. meat. We are all but yeah. meat. I don't want to eat a chihuahua. My my brother-in-law has a yeah. chihuahua. It weighs maybe less than the bottle of wine that I have right <laughs> now. And I look at her every single holiday and I go, Princess, you wouldn't even be my yeah. appetizer. Because she really right. wouldn't. Now, you give me a fucking St. Bernard that's clocking in at 80 pounds. You give me fucking Sam, the wonder <laughs> healer, punching in at 100 pounds and just blubber and happiness. I bet he's delicious. He was a good boy. And I bet he's goddamn delicious. Yeah. Like... And, you know, two, num- number one, who who are we to, you know, yay mm-hmm. or nay? Like, Americans are monsters in their yeah, own rights. Right. Look at Kentucky Fried mm-hmm. Chicken and or look at, you know, factory farming and or look, right. you know, uh, I can't imagine what the Indian people think of us in our rampant consumption of mm-hmm. cattle. You know, all things are sacred and it's all a cultural bias. But, like, I would say just, you know, don't be a dick, be a right. dude. Is dog sustainable? Well, there's a lot of strays. Yeah. There's an entire King of the Hill subplot about it. <laughs> then Hillenium. Right. Well, and also, you know, being fair to you, so like uh, in this uh, opening chapter here. So, yes, uh, 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 dogs are also used as a source of food in some countries, such as Cameroon, China, Nigeria, South Korea, and Vietnam, uh, and cultures such as uh, the Sioux. There is also evidence of dog meat eating in Europe's recent past, such as in Spain and Switzerland. And in Greece, dog was eaten to a small extent during World War II due to food being scarce. So, yeah, before, you know... I mean, that's that's famine. That's right, going to happen. Right, right, like, right. Um, yeah, like... So, per quora, um, dog tastes like a cross between beef and mutton with extra meaty flavor. Oh, man. I... 
Which really is like, have you ever, not to put you on the spot, but have you ever grabbed a handful of Alpo and tasted it? Because that's what that sounds like it that kinda, would taste like. I mean, as I feed the cats their little kibble each night, and I get a good whiff of that, of that, you know. Yeah, I mean, push comes to shove. Sure, yeah, I would. Um, yeah. it is also, well, you know, it's that it's, there's that bit in game of Thrones, like, and it, um, what fucking Stannis Baratheon is talking about the siege and he's like, the first thing we ate were the cats. When the cats were gone, we ate the rats and then we ate the dogs. And I really hated that because that was the last thing to yeah. go. And it's like, yeah. Cause, but then too, how much fucking meat can be on a cat? Yeah. I don't I, know. Cause I think that's also, I mean, like you're saying too, you know, like part, part of it is, it's like your, your yield so to speak. I can conjure up a, me- a, b- a bad memory of a dog in my head and like, yeah, fuck you, old yeller, and like, you know, then kill it so I can fucking feed my family in Cormac McCarthy's The Road. Or, mm. but like, I can't like conjure up a fucking image of a cat and be like, yeah, fuck you, meatball, and I, just, I couldn't do it. I'd be like, nah, you know what, fuck it, ain't worth living. I don't know. I I guess I'm weak. I guess I'm not going to survive the nuclear Armageddon where we eat cats yeah, and it's, dogs. I mean, it's a... It is a thing. It is a thing. Um, but also, just a little bit more from uh, Pobersic here. Um, it's been suggested by other uh, authors, Manuel and Baker, that the dog was domesticated to provide a source of meat for humans, but there's lack of good evidence for this. Uh, uh, that Olson 2000 um, disputes. There is, however, evidence that dogs were eaten in Neolithic and Bronze Age Europe, and from ancient times in other parts of the world, such as Eastern and Southeastern Asia, Central America, and Africa. For example, in China, in writings from around 800 BC, the dog was categorized in only three ways. Hunting, guarding, and edible. But Okay, but that makes sense, man. I'm sorry. I mean, like, it kind of does. Yeah. yeah. You, you got, like, your, you know, your water dogs, your retrievers, you can't eat those, they got a skill. You got, like, your burly-ass German shepherd, can't right. eat those, they yeah. got a skill. You got your fucking labradoodle. <laughs> he ain't doing anything, man. <laughs> His name is Gary, and he's dumber than a sack of fucking rocks. Gary's not doing anything. Yeah. Treat Gary well while he is alive, and then at, like, 18 <laughs> months, Gary's no more. Gary is gone. Like... <laughs> Right. I mean, it is. It's also that sort of, you got to pull your weight, so to speak. Um, but yeah. I th- I don't know. Am I a monster? I'm sorry. Am I, I coming off so. like a I, fucking animal no, I, here? I, like, this is... I don't mean to sound so indifferent to it. I just, because really it is. It's like, you are, you are meat. I are meat. Dogs are meat. Cat are meat. Cow are meat. Like, we're all just fucking meat. And like, what do you do? You consume the meat or the meat will consume you. It is, as you might say, a dog-eat-dog world. <laughs> literally, literally it literally. is. Yeah, like... I've seen... I've, I, I haven't seen this, but I've heard horror stories of like, yeah, big, giant, Great Dane snapping up um, little yappy toy, you know, toy, poodle, whatever thing. Like, if that doesn't bother them, well, I don't know. Uh... But yes, and so while it, here's here's the last that, that I have to say on this too, which again just, just to acknowledgement, not I'm not judging. This isn't an evaluative thing. It's just again we're peering yeah, into like the, not condemning or condoning. Yeah, yeah exactly. Uh, while meat eating continues today in a number of countries in Asia, 
uh, it was estimated by Bartlett and Clifton in 2003 that between 13 to 16 million dogs are eaten in Asia each year. These places have also experienced an increase in pet ownership in recent years, particularly of dogs. And so, yeah. Well, you know why, right? Because China got a middle class. So, so I, I think that's part of it. I think a lot like of... Like, they got a middle class and now they can necessitate, like, or they can justify, you know, dogs and then, you know... Huh. Yeah, it is. Interesting. It, yeah, it is. And, and, and so this book... Uh, let's see here. When did this come out? This came out... Uh, bu- 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 this was 2016 was, was when this book came okay. out. So, I mean, not super long ago, but also just... I, it, it would be interesting. It would be interesting to um, kind of see what happens there. Also, cou- counter note to your point, uh, last year, 8 billion chickens were eaten in America. See, you know, right. Is one so bad? I don't know. It, it can't be black and white, right? Like, it just can't be. Yeah. Are we yeah, chasing we, we a just... hound? Are we chasing a, a deer that is black and white, Josh? And, you know, <laughs> it can only deal an absolute here? I don't know. I don't, well, and, yeah, we also just came off of thanksgiving and you know yeah i've i've seen the horrible conditions uh, that like turkeys go through so yeah far, far be it for me just I, okay just maybe one other kind of last interesting thing here yeah. um or maybe a couple other interesting things here um uh, apparently um in in vietnam because that's what this chapter is focusing on there is yeah, a yeah, yeah. there's a mock dog dish called uh jiake which is made of stewed pork using seasonings that would normally be used with dog meat so that's that's also very interesting that there's like a impossible dog burger (laughs) (laughs) you can't yeah i don't know um uh, this tastes like shit yeah (laughs) this tastes like shit um, in Vietnam, uh, Tit Cho, which is dog meat, restaurants are those that only serve meals made from dogs. These dishes are expensive okay. and are mainly eaten by middle class and wealthy people, particularly oh. men having drinking sessions with their male friends and colleagues. <laughs> oh, you know how you're an evil white man and part of the patriarchy, Josh? <laughs> You're never going to be fucking evil Vietnamese man of the middle class drinking with your homies eating dog. Yeah, it's... Just take a minute and appreciate that, because I just did. Yeah, maybe. Um, <laughs> also, apparently, there, 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 is some, there, there, there are some other conditions, some other cultural conditions. Okay. Uh, unlike other meats, dog meat should not be eaten every day, as tradition prohibits consumption during the first week of the lunar month. Supposedly, bad luck will befall anyone who breaks this rule. And while most dog meat eaters start eating the meat after the 10th of the month, the best time to eat dog meat is on the last day of the month. Uh, the most important time of the year to eat dog meat is during the festival of Tet, which marks the beginning oh, of a, yeah, yeah. Which, which marks the beginning of a new lunar year and is meant to eradicate bad luck. Um, hmm. yeah, it's, uh, hmm. it is a thing. It is a thing. So I, again, I, I'm, I, but I'm, it is, but, it, but like, but it is a thing, you know, like, mm-hmm. I don't know. And I, and, and too, I wonder how much of it is, you know, just 
pissed off white people getting uppity and going, you can't eat dogs, they're dogs. Uh, so they put pressure on shit. I don't know. We talked about this in our fishing episode. Like, mm-hmm. we were coming off of being two hobbits. And, like, we talked about the idea of eating whale. And it's like, you know, up there in Iceland and Finland, it's part of it. That's just what you do. You're yeah. not being an asshole. You're not, be, you're not being malicious. You're not fucking burning their blood for, you know, to power your house. I'm, you know, like, yeah. it isn't whaling in 1800s in Nantucket. Like, it's not bad. It just, it is. It's how people are. Mm-hmm. And what works for you might not work for. I don't know. I'm, I don't mean to get so aggressive about this, but Josh, well, no, I but... guess I got a dog in this fight, so to yeah. speak. <laughs> And also, I'm sorry, I really want a fucking hot dog. I wish, like, yeah. hell I didn't, but it's all I can think about. <laughs> yeah, it. Is, I mean, we have to use all of the dog puns here just because. Just because. Um, here's some interesting survey data here that um, this author okay. carried out. So the majority of respondents approved the use of dogs as pets or companions, 77%, as uh, assistance dogs, 88% and as guard dogs, 90%, uh, but disapproved usually strongly of dogs as food for humans, 51, as ingredients in medicine, 68, and being used for their fur, 82%. Half okay. of people said it's not okay to eat dog meat. 80% of people said it's not okay to have a dog fur coat, which that's another, that's a whole which, other thing. Which, once again... Like, yeah. what are you doing with it? You know, like, are you mm-hmm. eating it? Is the you know, or is it a fucking fashion choice? Because if it, if it is, then you're the asshole. But if you're eating it, then yeah, go crazy. Yeah. Um, to a point, like again, to a point. Right. I'm not, right. Again, where's your salt lick, Josh? Because I need mine. <laughs> there was an ambivalent response to the use of dogs in medical experiments. Thirty-five approval versus forty approval or forty disapproval. So I mean, pretty close. Okay. Uh, men were more likely than women to approve of dogs being used as food. Uh, 37% of men compared with 29% of women. And here's, I mean, here's maybe the question that you're waiting for or our listeners are waiting for. Pet ownership was not associated with people's attitudes. Uh, 52% of pet owners and 49% of non-pet owners disapproved of having dogs as food. So like a coin flip, hmm. if you owned a pet or yeah. not. Now, it doesn't say specifically if that pet was a dog or not. So, you know, maybe it's somebody has fish or whatever. And they're like, yeah, eat those dogs. Uh, <laughs> but, well, um, but right there, fish, man, like yeah. how many times do you prepare fish? Like, do, you, mm-hmm. do people like make a deli- delicious salmon dinner while they got a goddamn fish tank running right next to them? Like, yeah, it's a hike. It's it, it gets very very it's that whole it's just that it's what we ascribe meaning to like Mm -hmm. i don't know i get burnt out on fucking reddit of people posting videos of look how cute these pigs are look how cute this cow is it's like okay Mm -hmm. but you can't red pill me on thinking that they're not gonna be a food animal like i'm sorry yeah just right well and that's a whole other right i mean it's it this is the metaphor but 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 I think it's very telling. So so you know again, my Mrs. Wizard, she's a technomancer, and uh, a lot of the work that she does is with servers. And there are okay. some people who get like very attached to their server, and they want to like do all the updates manually, and they want to be very involved. And it's like, oh no, 
We don't have to delete this whole thing and like do a factory reset and start from scratch. I can fix it. And then there are other people on the other side of the equation that are like, oh, wait, this is acting up. Um, wipe it and we'll start start new. And so the whole idea is like, is this thing a pet or is it uh, livestock? And, th- and that's just it. it. And I think dogs and other animals too. It's not just dogs, but like dogs can kind of ride that blur. Like, well, yeah, yeah. there are dogs that are clearly pets. And then there are dogs that are clearly livestock in some in some cases in some cultures. And okay, so I had a thought. Maybe maybe this is the apothic talking here, but okay. like, so we have come up with dogs since the beginning of time, right? So mm-hmm. number one, there's that like ingrained identity in our brains, maybe, but also like, I'm sure. I'm sure there's a way to, like, look at the way that dog breeds change to become more appealing to humans. Because, like, okay, you look at a golden retriever, and he's Mm -hmm. got his big old dumb fucking face and his big old dumb fucking ears, and he's all floppy and happy. Like, that elicits joy in any human. You know, like, Hitler had dogs, right? So, like, monsters Mm -hmm. can have a dog. And, like, there's got to be a certain amount of, like, I do, intelligent design is the wrongest word because like whatever, yeah. but like some type but, but of yeah, intelligent like, design early on is breeding. like, okay, wolf, a wolf is scary, but a golden retriever is cute. Okay, guys, we're going to collectively shift into golden retriever mode and go. And then after they became so close to us, then we, you know, turned them into pugs and shit. But like in the beginning there. I wonder if they're... I don't know. Am I, am I insane? Do you know what I'm talking... Does that make, yeah. does this make any sense at all? Like, no, yeah, yeah, dogs yeah. evolved to be cuter to us so we wouldn't want to kill them, I guess? No, yeah. And, and it is. It's like uh, there, there was an experiment... More pleasing, I guess? Well, no. no. There was an experiment with uh, some people, I want to say in, in Russia, that had foxes. And they were like kind okay. of doing some experimentation about like domesticating foxes. Uh, and they found that that, that as the foxes became more and more attached to humans, more, more dependent on, on humans, just like you're saying, like their ears got bigger and floppier. They, they started developing spots. Um, really? And so it is. And so like there's like some there's some phenotypical responses that are happening, like just in the process of domestication um, in these foxes. So it so so it goes. And so so, yeah, it is. It's, it's so it's like. Yes, we're breeding for traits like intelligence and loyalty and, you know, stuff like that. But and, and then it and then it's like and then is like the like cuteness like downstream of that? Is it like, oh, the like loyalty gene is also like the cute one. <laughs> that, right. Yeah, but but yeah, so I I get what you're saying. And no, it's not crazy. So Okay. Yeah, you hit it with uh, whatever you said, phenotypical. Yeah, yeah. yeah I just right, couldn't right. articulate. Again, I think it might have been a lot of the apothic talking. Yeah. No, but but it's leading you to a, a good place. That that dog will hunt, Monsignor. <laughs> Baru. Baru. <laughs> um, and, and yes, there is. What an, is your favorite Futurama line that no one gets? Yeah. Put it on your bingo cards, kid. Put it on your bingo cards. Um, and while in the same book, there is a ch- there's another chapter by Scott Hurley about human-canine relationships in China, including an extended section on uh, canine consumption. 
I think I think we've exhausted that topic, and we could probably we could probably move on to something else. But um, yeah, we, we can. I but, just but we can't. But again, we have a, to. It's an interesting. It is w- road to go down. You talk about like you know, oh yeah, they're the goodest of boys. They're also the tastiest, apparently. Yeah, in in, in some instances. Yeah, but you know what? I wonder what the over under on a methane to dog is because you know cows are killing the planet, and our production consumption of it is killing the planet. Do dog do, do, do alpo farts have high methane, or is dog a meat good... a cleaner burning meat? Yeah, mm. that's a good mm-hmm. question. Mm. I don't These know. are questions we're going to ask ourselves in like thirty years. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, I my think... name is Mark, and I came from the future. <laughs> Sorry, what? No, it's okay. Well, I, I think I think in in recognition of all of those dogs, and also from 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 so many others, um, this is from the dodo.com. Here are nine touching epitaphs ancient Greeks and Romans wrote for their oh, deceased dogs. Oh, Jesus. Jo- <laughs> oh, fuck you. All right, let's go. All right. Future Mark, cue up that fucking Calliope Blue music. In the arms of the angels. <laughs> because we are, you know, we, we do. We do. We, we, we love our pets. When we do the cat episode, we'll talk about mummification. We'll, we'll do all that, too. Um, but here are ancient voices telling us just how much they love these dogs. Um, quote, I am in tears while carrying you to your last resting place as much as I rejoiced when bringing you home in my own hands 15 years ago. Fuck you, next. <laughs> thou who passest on this path, if happily thou dost mark this monument, laugh not, I pray thee, though it is a dog's grave. Tears fe- fell oh. for me, and the dust was heaped above me by a master's hand. <laughs> oh, okay. Okay. My eyes were wet with tears, our little dog, when I bore thee to the grave. So, Patricus, never again shall thou give me a thousand kisses. Never canst thou be contentedly in my lap. In sadness I have buried thee, and thou deservest. In a resting place of marble, I have put thee for all time by the side of my shade. In thy qualities, sagacious thou wert like a human being. Ah me, what a lovely companion we have lost. A little wordy, little pat yourself on the back, okay, okay. A little bit, a little bit. Um, also, this dog is Patricus, not Patroclus or Patroclus, but Patricus. Pretty cute. <laughs> no, 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 Josh. Patroclus was a little bitch. <laughs> this is also true. This is also true. Oh! Um, <laughs> to Helena, foster child, soul without com- comparison and deserving of praise. Um, and uh, apparently, um, domestic canines, particularly lap dogs, were often called foster, like foster children. <laughs> Which makes kind of makes sense, you makes know. Well, sense. even now, people are like, "Oh yeah, they're my fur baby." Yeah, exactly. Like, right. Yeah. God, Josh, we've whole... been the same for two thousand years. Right. <laughs> yeah. This whole like, oh, this Gen M, as in like the Roman numeral for thousand, that is millennium. Oh, this Gen M, and they're just having having dogs instead of kids. Oh. Are ruining the empire. <laughs> Number five. This is the tomb of the dog Stephanos, who perished, 
whom Rodopi shed tears for and buried like a human. I am the dog Stephanos, and Rodopi set up a tomb for me. <laughs> That's so sweet. Mia never barked without reason, but now is silent. Oh, <laughs> oh man. That one. Okay, that one is too good. That Okay. Oh, that's so good. Oh, man. That's brutal. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Number seven. Here the stone says it holds the white dog from Melita, the most faithful guardian of Eumelus. Bull, they called him while he was yet alive, but now his voice is prisoned in the silent pathways of night. Oh, poor bull. And that's, a, again, another great name. That's a great name for a dog. Also, solid name for a dog, yeah. Yeah, it's just, ah, it's so good. It, it's, it's amazing to me how, like, any dog name that isn't a dog is a good, you know, bear, buck, bull. Like. Right, 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 right. Yeah, it's, ah, it's so good. Yeah. Uh, number eight. Issa's more pert than Lesbia's sparrow love. Purer than kisses of a turtle dove. More sweet than a hundred maidens rolled in one. Rarer than wealthy India's precious stone. She is the pet of Publius, Isadir. She whines, a human voice you seem to hear. And here's the last one at least, number number nine. Surely even as thou liest dead in this tomb, I deem the wild beasts yet fear thy white bones, Huntress Lycus, and thy valor great Pelion knows, and splendid Ossa, and the lonely peaks of Cathiron. That's badass. Oh. That's like yeah, like even though you're gone, epitaph for your dog. Yeah, even though you're gone, all of the wild beasts still still fear your 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 hunting bones. Ah, oh, it's so good. It's so good. It's hmm. <laughs> great. Okay, well, as we're like drying our tears and crying, um fishing up here here's here's just again just a quick kind of run through uh some truly record-breaking dogs um all right so again here's a here's a source some of these are from guinness uh there's some other ones but um so the tallest dog according to guinness book of world records uh was zeus a great dane Mm. uh he so from paws to shoulders, because that's how you measure dogs against, I guess. Um, so paws to shoulders, this Great Dane was 44 inches. So three Jesus and a... Jesus Christ. Yeah, three three feet, eight inches. Almost, almost four yeah. feet tall. Um, when Zeus stood on his hind legs, he was seven foot four. Which is enormous. Fuck. That's that's that is too big. That is too big, Josh. Like Okay. New I wanna write it. Yeah. Yeah, new new Airbud sequel here. Uh Zeus the Great Dane posting up Shaq. <laughs> Seven four. That's crazy. <laughs> Airbud nineteen. WWE. <laughs> Ain't no rules that say a dog can't be intercontinental champion, brother. <laughs> yeah, I'm in. Let's do it. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, that's so good. Um, depending on how you define big, an- another way, Zorba 
was an old English mastiff from London. Uh, maybe not quite as tall as Zeus, uh, but Zorba measured eight foot three inches from nose to tail. What the fuck? Zorba weighed 343 pounds. <laughs> That's <I'm>... unreal. <laughs> what? Yeah. What? <laughs> 343 pounds. Zorba, the old English Mastiff. <laughs> that is a big fucking dog, That's Josh. That's an enormous dog. That's an enormous dog. Holy shit. Who let the dogs out? Holy shit. <laughs> Um, there's a little bit, there's a little bit of controversy. Well, I, I don't know if there's too much controversy with this, but there's, there's, okay. uh, okay. I guess we're adding an asterisk. The oldest dog, the, the oldest verifiable quote unquote dog, um, is Bobby, who is a purebred, uh, Rafiero do Aletejo. I've never heard of that breed before until I found about Bobby. Uh, okay. <laughs> Bobby was from, uh, Conquieros, uh, Le, Leria, Portugal, and uh, was owned by uh, Leonel Costa. And the story goes, uh, Costa's father uh, found a litter of puppies near the family's woodshed some years ago, but uh, apparently he didn't want to, or they couldn't afford to like take care of any more animals. And this is horrible. Um, I. So 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 he buried the puppies alive. As Whoa, a, okay. As, as a way of, I guess, euthanizing them, even though it's not really euthanasia in that part. Anyway, however, Bobby is kind of, and, and if you look at pictures of him, he has kind of a dark brown coat. So his dark brown coloring helped him kind of blend into the wood by the wood pile. And so, whoops, we missed one, but I'm not going to like, so, okay, I, I guess we can keep one. And uh, so, yeah, that's how Bobby lived. And they figured out his birthday to be on or around May 11th, 1992. Uh, And on February 1st, February 1st of this year, 2023, Bobby was confirmed by Guinness World Records to be the oldest living dog and the first dog verified over the age of 30. Um, My God. Bobby had his... 31st birthday, <laughs> May of this year. And tragically, sadly, uh, just over a month ago, as of the time of this recording, uh, Bobby passed away October 21st, 2023, at the age of 31 years, five months. So What the fuck? That dog is as old as my brother. Yeah. So here's, here's to Bobby. Drink. Cheers. You got a dumb name. Yeah, it is. It's kind of dumb. So, uh, so Guinness verified all this, but now it's maybe like re-investigating some at, so, so some of the details because apparently in Portugal there's like an entire like national veterinary system where you like register this information. Guinness is following up on all that, so I, I guess we'll see. Uh, but previous to Bobby, uh, the oldest dog was Bluey, an Australian cattle dog. Um, I guess also kind of like the popular animated cartoon. Kids, yeah, this kids, generation's kids Blue's Clues. Every generation gets a blue dog. <laughs> this is theirs, yeah. Uh, and so Bluey uh, was born June 7th, 1910, 
to Les and Rosalie Hall of Rochester, Victoria, in Australia. And Bluey lived to the age of 29 years, 5 months, uh, before she apparently had some health issues and was euthanized um, November 14th, 1939. So we'll see if this whole thing shakes out with Bobby. I'm sorry, I'm sorry you said 1939? Yeah. <laughs> okay, cool. Yeah, cool. yeah, cool. yeah. So, all right. Yeah, nineteen ten to nineteen thirty nine. Wow. Uh, yeah, it's so. It's either going to be Bobby or it's going to be Bluey uh, as the as the oldest dog. But um. But yeah, it's it's also just man, it's crazy. Well, and Mark, you know, we keep talking about um, you know, hey, maybe we can get Fireball Whiskey to sponsor us. Maybe Great Lakes Brewing Company. Can uh can sponsor us here? I think I have a better idea. Maybe we okay. need maybe we need to get the world's richest dog to sponsor us. All right, all right. What's the world's richest dog doing? Gunther, the German Shepherd. <laughs> Excellent. Keep going. Already in. Yes. Uh, Gunther became the world's richest dog when his owner. Countess Carlotta Liebenstein uh, died and left him her multi-million dollar fortune. And apparently this is all the story is told in the Netflix documentary series, Gunther's Millions. <laughs> Gunther's Millions. Okay. okay. <laughs> Gunther's Millions. Um, Gunther has a personal chef serving him steak dinners. Uh, he cruises on a yacht surrounded by beautiful women in bikinis and lives in a mansion with a staff of 27. I don't like that this dog is doing so much better than I am. Right? <laughs> Take it all back. You better spot. Don't be a son of a bitch, Gunter. Sponsor the Two Wizards podcast. Yeah, come on, come on. So he was he, he was left $65 million by the German Gross. countess. <laughs> So, okay, so what is that? Gunter can't name a beneficiary. What happens when Gunter dies? That's is a great... The, is the estate absorbed into... I, I, I'm i sorry, I'm asking you to talk about German fucking estate law. <laughs> I, But still, like... Is it, like, a cute way of doing it? Like, ha, 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 you don't get my money just a little bit longer until my dog is dead. Like... Yeah, I just... I. Just, but I, then the people still get it, like... I, I yeah, I, Gunter I, Paws signed a will saying, you know, the people of Bonn get a new light rail. Well, so when the Countess passed away in 1992 uh, and left her fortune to her dog Gunter, who is, I guess, more properly Gunter the Fourth, I, I I guess the wealth just kind of per- perpetuates on. So the fortune has been passed down through Gunter's bloodline. And it is now Gunter the Sixth, who lives in a mansion in Tuscany. <laughs> right. Gets uh, gets driven around in a convertible BMW. Uh, <laughs> However, Mark, I hate to get your hopes up, but okay, this all turned out to be fake. <laughs> I'm glad. You know what? I'm really, I'm really glad that's where we're at. <laughs> like, yeah. So good. Uh, good. 
so 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 yeah the the story in the documentary goes that uh that yes uh the countess's son committed suicide and so all of this money goes to his dog no no the no it, it's just he's he's <laughs> they couldn't find a death certificate for the countess either and so yeah it's, it's just this whole thing but you know hey wouldn't it be nice wouldn't it be nice to dream that we could we could capture the attention of this goodest boy and have him sponsor the the Two Wizards podcast. <laughs> oh dang it! Darn it! Airbud, what are you doing? Surely you yeah. exist, or one of your children? You got to have yeah, money, right? Come on, throw a throw a dog a bone. <laughs> okay. Okay. All right. <laughs> Okay. All right. All Christmas. Right. Christmas time. Christmas time. Boot. I can't even fucking call you out for being drunk because I think I'm drunk. Never mind. <laughs> Next. Skip. What are we doing? <laughs> okay. Well, Jesus I have. Christ. I have one last record setting dog. One last record setting dog, which you know I've, I've mentioned. Hey, we're we're gonna do cats. We're we're, we're gonna have an episode on cats. This is gonna. I, I know this is going to start a, a complete other episode um, later on, but Mark, let's talk about again one of the one of the goodest of boys, or in this case specifically one of the goodest of girls. This amazing record-setting dog in her own right, Laika. Laika, yeah, let's talk about Laika. Laika was the first animal to orbit the earth which is amazing which is amazing yeah that's so so yeah and and, and again so yeah i i started to do a dive on this and i'm going to tell her story briefly but i also realized like no we need an entire episode on soviet space dogs because holy cow it's it's just amazing join us in january that sounds like an amazing idea Yeah, yeah right yeah so 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 in in anticipation of that, I want to take a little bit of time to talk about Laika. So, yes, Laika was the first animal to to orbit the Earth. Um, she wasn't the first dog into space. There was a whole series of suborbital um, space flights with other dogs, and we'll, and we'll talk about them in in due course. Um, but uh, but yeah, so so there were seventeen other. Russian space dogs doing these suborbital oh, wow. flights. So again, we'll have plenty. We'll have plenty of content for our space dogs episode. Um, <laughs> and uh, in preparation for, it, so right it, it, instead of a suborbital, which is essentially a ballistic trajectory, you go up and then you come back down. Right. Um, the next phase of that program was yeah to put an animal into orbit, and so Laika was found as a stray on the streets of Moscow. Um, seeming, oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. Seemingly just uh, 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 mutt, uh, maybe part terrier and part husky, or part uh, saramoyed, um, and somewhere in the ballpark of three years old. Um, and so she was just picked up from the streets of Moscow, and the Soviet personnel gave her a, a few different nicknames. Uh, one of them was, uh, okay, I practiced these 
sober, but I don't know how well I'll do after two Christmas sales. Uh, <laughs> some of her nicknames included uh, Kudryavka, uh, which means okay. Little Curly. Oh, okay. Zuchka, Little Bug. And Limonchik, Little Lemon. <laughs> uh, That's adorable. It is. Again, she's just a sweet... A sweet little girl. Uh, and while Laika uh, can refer to several breeds that are that are like huskies, um, it also comes from the Russian verb layat, to bark. And so oh, by calling her Laika, okay. it's something like barker. <laughs> it's a sweet, okay. sweet, sweet little okay. barker. Very um, sweet. But because we're also in the middle of the space race, the American press... I don't know if they were too mean-spirited about this um, or if they were just kind of... The I, answer is yes. The pro- answer is probably. yes. Gonna be, they're making fun of a dog. The answer is going to be... Well, yeah, and the Russian dog. dog. This is an episode of Community. Yeah. Like, yes. <laughs> right. Yes. So they called her Muttnik. <laughs> oh, no. That's mean. <laughs> exactly. Super mean. Um, but they also maybe more lovingly called her Curly, which is like one of the nicknames that she had, uh... Kudryavka. Yeah, Little Curly. Yeah. Little Curly. Um, Laika trained along with two other dogs, Albina. Uh, Albina flew on some of these suborbital missions. uh, So she already had flight experience. And Mushka, uh, to to be a a part of the Sputnik 2 mission, which would be this orbital flight. and the trainers were Vladimir Yazdovsky and Oleg Gazenko. <laughs> awesome. So, uh, the training regimen was 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 pretty grueling. Um, all three dogs were kept in progressively smaller cages for periods of up to twenty days at a time. Oh my god! Uh, in order to which ac- makes sense, yeah, yeah, to like acclimate them to like the cramped conditions, you know, being in this satellite. Um, they were also run through, uh, centrifuges to simulate the forces of liftoff. Oh, no. (laughs) That's terrible. Okay. But again, also kind of makes sense. I mean, that's how, that's human astronaut training. But yeah, these poor little dogs in (laughs) spin chambers. Um, and they were also slowly like, uh, transitioned to a high protein jelly diet, which is what? They would eat when they're up in space. Right. Makes sense. Um, out of these three, of course, Laika was eventually chosen for her overall temperament. And um, as they approached the mission date, Yazdovsky took her home to play with his children um, one night. Later writing, quote, Laika was quiet and charming. I wanted to do something nice for her. She had so little oh. time left. Oh, God. Um, so, yes, it was chosen that Laika would be the flight dog. Um, Albina would be her backup. And Mushka was kept on, on the ground and used as the sort of like test control. So everything that, like all of the life support systems that Laika was going through, Mushka would do the same just, just down here on Earth. Um, and so they flew her from Moscow over to the uh, Baikonur Cosmodrome. Uh, She boarded the satellite Sputnik 2 on October 31st, 1957, 
three days. Be- Halloween dog. Yeah, three days before the mission. Uh, again, just to like wow. get her acclimated, yeah. try to get her calm yeah. and all that. Um, just before liftoff, uh, technicians attached some bio monitoring, some some like life monitoring sensors to her. And one of these technicians, Anatoly Zak, wrote, um, uh, placing Laika in the container and before closing the hatch, we kissed her nose and wished her bon voyage, knowing she would not survive the flight. Jesus Christ. And for a long time, because again, you know, a lot of the space race is, hey, here's the things we're actually doing. Here's how we're reporting it. And so for the longest time, the Russians were saying like, oh, no, we have a system in place to like help her. Um, yeah, like land safely. We 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 are intending to bring her back home. Um, that's what's going to happen. No, we're not going to kill a dog in the name of science. Who do we think we are, Russians? <laughs> but there's a there's a very sad scene there, and it's like, yeah, ah, oh, Papa is home. He has a dog. Our children. Here is Laika. She is our yeah. new dog. No, she dies tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, I think it was like from the outset, they knew that their technical capabilities at that time could not bring her back from space. I mean, she, she was going to be, be the first animal in orbit, you know, like, no, but nobody the knew. first, th- like the first thing. That- right, 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 right. And so that, that is just what happened. Uh, the morning of November 3rd, 1957, uh, Laika went up into space and... She, all things considered, did pretty well. Um, she her 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 heart rate jumped up to I think uh, was it like twice, <laughs> twice normal resting rate. Um, and she was pounding through the atmosphere. Right, yeah, makes sense. Yeah. Um, but it eventually. So yeah, during during acceleration. Um, her heart rate jumped from 130 beats per minute more to 240 beats per minute. Oh, my God. And after three hours in orbit, which would be roughly like two orbits of the Earth, it takes about 90 minutes to go around, um, her pulse had settled back down to about 102 beats per minute. Um, Okay. During testing... Her heart rate in the centrifuge. Her heart rate would take about an hour to get back to base level, so it took her three times as long. So this poor sweet dog was like super stressed out. Um, well, you know the sound. Like I just imagine just, the sound of a rocket. Well, yeah, just the sound of a rocket and like being weightless in space. That's kind of freaky, right? Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Also that. Yes. Jesus Christ. The entirely yeah. new sensation of weightlessness. How do you? Yeah. How does your dog brain comprehend? Yeah. Exactly. Um. So, even as stressed as she was, um, some of the data they were collecting indicated that she was eating. She was eating this protein-rich jelly. Okay. Uh, and and again, some of the details still not exactly known. Um. But approximately somewhere between five to seven hours into her flight, um, the scientists could not detect any signs of life from Laika. Wow. So she just did not last that long. Well, and there was a reason for that. So, again, the plan was, as sort of gruesome as it sounds, the plan was 
uh, to give her some some poisoned food as a method to euthanize her and prevent her from like oh okay having the okay. horror of like burning up into reentry um, or something like that. Um, and the initial story was that she died from as at, from asphyxia when her oxygen ran out she said oh no no we just okay. she just ran out of oxygen and so she just kind of like faded to black um but then the story eventually came out that um no there was a problem with the the satellite uh overheating and so sometime around oh, like no. yeah five to seven hours the fourth orbit uh she just overheated and so and so yes e- even though you're right right she did expire relatively quickly um it took about five months so more than two oh, wow. two thousand five hundred orbits uh before sputnik 2's orbit finally decayed and re-entered the atmosphere um sometime on uh april 14th 1957 five months yeah so okay, so like even best case scenario, this dog wasn't coming back. You're right. Yeah, there was no way to. Yeah, yeah, it it was. It was like they did not build in any sort of uh, system to to deorbit the craft other than just letting it decay naturally. Um, so 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 yeah, there was as you might imagine, there was a little bit of a controversy at, at this time raised about the ethics of using animals to test um you know like space flight and things like that right um but 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 like a she 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 is not forgotten she got her recognition for this um she she has a statue and a plaque um there at the uh, russian cosmonaut training facility star city um she uh, the the monument to the conquerors of space includes Laika <laughs> here they, they're in Moscow which she she, right, she, she has a stamp so. yeah yeah she has a stamp um and so even there even though yeah there was some there was some kind of controversy at, at the time she she was not just like covered up like the Russians realized like yeah the, this animal, even not fully understanding what is going on, she, her, her sacrifice uh, is like worthy of recognition. And so, and, and so, yeah. yeah, she's, she's this mascot of, and not even like just like Russian space exploration, even though, yeah, that's where she's from. And that's the, that's the, the, or the, that's a nation that put her into space, but, but, yeah, like everybody like recognizes her as as a symbol of yeah th- this whole thing. Um, so much so That's that awesome. she inspired the creation of Cosmo the Space Dog from the Marvel comics. Oh shit! Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so it is, and and I mean, there are just there are just so many. There's so many good boys and good girls, and I want to rub all of their tummies. I want to give them all of the treats, um, but I guess. You know, hey, we might just have to call it here for this for this first part here. Um, and, All right. And dogs, dogs are great. Dogs. God damn, man. Thank you. Number one, thank you, Josh. You oh, yeah. are a very good boy. Oh, you, well, this was you. a great episode. Yeah, thank good, you, good boy, Josh. <laughs> good, good wizard, Josh. No, this was great, man. Like, yeah, thanks, buddy. Yeah, because it's one of those things you think about it, but you don't think about like 
Just the idea that, like, we have been with dogs in in concept since before we were people. Right, yeah. That's from from Just that. Just that is mind-wracking to me. Yeah, from... from and then, and then, okay, okay, second fucking thought of the night. Mm-hmm. This is Civ 6, right? Yes. Right, right? So, here's fucking good uh, nation leader, good, do- good boyo. Um... And he just totally co-ops humans and gets... So, like, you get zero culture and or science, but you can piggyback off of any given city. Yeah. And then they fucking win because they were the first ones to complete science. Like... Yeah. The, the, that dogs... God damn, dogs completed science victory step one before humans did. They That's did, right. Crippling. Yeah. They oh, my God. got that, that part of the space... crippling, Josh. <laughs> they got that part of the space race. Yeah, I... I... And, and, and yeah, like you give them enough time, they're gonna launch. You know we're gonna fucking send the first dog to Mars. Oh yeah. You know we're gonna fucking put the first dog in the exoplanet away mission. Oh my mm-hmm. god, dogs are gonna be the first. Dude, we're yeah. humans aren't the aren't the like rulers of the planet as dogs. Okay, right. Yeah, it's so- only flipped. We can't eat our new overlords and masters. I come back. We're, <laughs> we can't eat them. No, bad shame on you. They should consume our flesh anyway. Yeah, maybe, maybe. So, so it's so it is like like from. 300,000 years ago to caves to, yeah, the present day going into the journeying among the stars. Uh, human and dogs, man. It's just, ah, it's wild. It's, it's wild, wild stuff. And so, I, I mean, I, I, again, we're definitely going to come back and talk more about space dogs because that whole program is just phenomenal. And there's there's some really interesting stuff there. We're going to talk about cats or and, and and then maybe just like other kind of pets generally, you know, we'll, we'll do something like that. Right. But but, uh, but listeners, let us know. Send us your doggy photos, because uh, if 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 I had dogs, I would be posting dog dog photos all of the time. First, so send us all of your dog photos. Send us all of your dog videos. Um, two wizards podcast at gmail.com. We're on Twitter at two wizards pod c one. We're active on Facebook and Instagram. Just like just any and every doggy thing, I want to see that dog and I want to boop its nose. Uh, you can you can find me on Twitter at Plaid Barbarian. If you know a good Doberman Pinscher or German short hair uh, pointer breeder, um, let me know because maybe that's next for us is getting a dog with the cats. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe. Uh, Mark, what are some other things that we have going on? Like maybe maybe there's another beloved dog ladybird uh that listeners might want to learn more about where could they find out about that if you want to hear more about the geriatric pork chop named ladybird the dog that just won't die <laughs> well pop on over to the dangle podcast a weekly retrospective rewatch of king of the hill where me and our buddy johnny take two episodes and discuss them i have a lot of opinions about ladybird for further reading go listen to death of a ladybird or, uh, What's what the, the dancing fuck is one? it called? Pregnant Paws. Oh, Pregnant What's Paws. What's that? Yeah, that's a good one, too. What, what, what did you say? The, the, the dancing one. Like, dog dancing one. Oh, Dances with Dogs. Dances with yes, Dogs, Yes, yeah. classic. I actually, actually, that, yeah, no, that was a cool turning point because I uh, made, I, I marked that as a blue flame. Oh, and, yeah, um, it's a good I, one. It's which a great would episode. mean that you can show that to anybody at all with zero context and they will like it. Anyway, uh, you can also find me at I Can't Wait to Show... 
this fucking wine, Josh. You can also find me at the I Can't Wait to Show My Kids podcast, a weekly cinematic rewatch podcast where me and our buddy Brad, and sometimes Josh, you're there. I think you're going to yeah. be here in the future. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we fill in gaps in our own cinematic knowledge, showing one of the other co-hosts a movie that was influential to us as children and or young adults. And then we answer that all to an important question that now we are in our mid-30s. And of course, we all have children, not just fur babies. But when can I show this to my fur baby child? Or <laughs> furless baby child? Because Brad actually does have kids. Right. And I'm Greek and my imaginary boy's name is Ajax. And, well, he's covered in fur, but he's not a fur baby because he's 10. At any rate, you can find me over there or Marky Stardust on Twitter. I am the goodest boy. Josh, you are the goodest boy. Oh. Pats in the head, rubs in the head. Mm-hmm. Rough, 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 rough. How much is that Mark Jones in the window? <laughs> the one that's all hammered on wine. Holy shit. <laughs> oh, brilliant. All right, everybody. Take care. <laughs> he rolled upon his back, and after that, I killed